excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankees put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Monday, November 20th, and we are underway with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Flamestock is available wherever you get your podcasts. Go hit subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. And let's uh, kick off this hour by going inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Well, the Flames are uh, currently trying to turn their season around. But that doesn't mean that the outside noise is going anywhere. Last hour, we talked a lot about Michael Backlund and and as captain trying to get the team to insulate themselves and not add more noise to the already very loud atmosphere that surrounds this team. Flames are now 4-1-2 and in their last seven. That's good, especially after a 2-7-1 stretch. So they're trying to climb out of the early hole they've dug for themselves. Luckily, the rest of the Western Conference hasn't been going great guns. So teams like Calgary or Nashville or Edmonton, who all have playoff aspirations don't find themselves so far out of it that a bad 10 game start to the season completely ruins them. But the big picture conversations, regardless of a four, one and two run or not, the big picture conversations are going to continue with these teams until honestly, they're solved until we know that of these four pending unrestricted free agents that they're going to be extended or they're going to be traded or are traded or are going to be here after the trade deadline, that noise is going to continue. Here's uh, Elliot Friedman from Saturday Headlines over the weekend with just a, a little bit on a few of the pending unrestricted free agents. You know, everybody knows there's been a lot of talk about Calgary's uh, defensemen in particular. Nothing imminent. I think, no doubt, though, they're taking a lot of calls and there's definitely been a lot of conversation about what they want to do and when they want to do it. I think one of the things that's going to develop here that some of the teams interested in trading with want to know is, will we get to a point where the Flames allow these teams to talk to some of these players about extensions? That could improve the deal for Calgary. We'll see where that goes over the next little while. So that's Elliot from Saturday headlines on Saturday's hockey night. No surprises there um, that that right now we know the Flames are in wait and see mode and we know that they are in a spot where they have to be listening on these guys and they can't be hanging up phone lines. I actually, from what I understand, I actually think that the offers that the Flames are getting are better than what they were getting during the summertime. Like, they were getting nothing in the summer. The reason why Zadorov or Hannafin or Backland were not traded in the offseason is because they just weren't getting very good offers. They, they have a price that they have for these guys if they're going to trade them, and if you're getting nowhere close to it, you can't trade them. Like, especially in the summertime when you don't really have an impending deadline. And here we are earlier in, early on in the season – uh, from from what I'm led to believe, the offers have started to pick up a little bit and they are getting better, which is good news, if that's the direction they decide to go. Yeah, and I, I think I'm 
maybe a little bit in the minority on this, but I, I just don't see any reason to rush these trades because I think if the offers are getting better now, that you would be tempted to see how good the offers can get. Because it would be it would stand a reason they might just keep on getting better. Well, you're going to get more teams involved, yeah. right? You're going to get... And, and you're going to get teams with... I always talk about pinch points or pressure points. Like, all of a sudden, Team X really needs a defenseman. You don't have that quite yet, right? It's in... You've got teams that are not off to the start that they wanted or, or teams, and, and I'll use Toronto for an example, who... Maybe some of the moves they made on on the back end, they they don't like the way it's settled out, right? We'd be talking about it maybe on the flip side with with Jordan Osterley in another situation. If the Flames were off to a great start, they'd be looking at it and saying, well, do we need to address that sixth defense position? And And so you need more teams to have those pinch points, those, those pressure points to really drive up the price. And again, I'm not sure that everyone agrees with me on that. I, I think there's a lot of, well, if, if Nikita Zadorov said he wants out, let's get him out of town before it becomes a problem. Well, you're in a, a position, especially with the number of pending UFAs uh, of significance that you have on your roster to really need to maximize the return as part of whatever you're going to call it, your rebuild or retool or, or reset. Reload. Refurbish. Re whatever, rejig. I just don't. No, maybe not. I don't think unless you get a really good offer that you rush into this in November. Well, especially because I think the patience is paid off. In that, I think there are more teams interested, and I think there are more teams willing to come closer to meeting that price. And and I think if you're the Flames, you haven't. I think on the Zadorov front, you know which way that's going to go. But you also, let's just take Zadorov's situation in a vacuum or a bubble because that is the public trade request that we know exists. If you're Craig Conroy, that is a 28-year-old defenseman that can skate, that has got size, and that we know is coveted by multiple teams. We know that New Jersey is a name that's out there. What, who else did Kevin Weeks have in there? Vancouver and Toronto. Like, I know Vancouver is, like, drooling over this guy. And we've heard Toronto. Kevin Weeks had one other name that he popped in there over the weekend as another team that was, maybe it was Philadelphia. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm but, trying to remember now. There was one more, I or think. Dallas, maybe. Um, anyway. Dallas is getting connected to everyone right now. As they should be. Yeah. They're, they're a team that wants to win a Stanley Cup and feels like they're knocking on the door. But if you're if you're Craig Conroy... You don't want to necessarily make that trade today because, A, you've got a price that you're looking for. And so if you've got a team that's like, ah, that like feels like it's in the ballpark, well, don't take that. Wait until wait until you get one that you know is meeting your price and then see if you can up it a little bit. And that like there's no reason not to maximize these deals. So on the Zadorov front, yeah, first of all, you got to wrestle some of your leverage back that was taken away when Milstein went public. Second, you've got to get multiple teams involved. And third, then you make the deal that, that best suits your group. And I know I know there's risk involved in, in waiting. I, I'm sure people are going to point out, and I think someone already has on the Correct. text line, there's always an injury risk with Chris Ham. We watched him block a shot with an open hand the other night. That Right, that's Chris Tanev in a, a nutshell. But I, I do think that, for the same reason that 
you would want to rush to make that trade. Other teams are going to want to wait to make that trade. And I just think that for me, and it's easy for me to say, I'm not the general manager. I don't answer to Murray Edwards or anyone else, but I'm willing to take that risk. If I'm Craig Conroy, I'm willing to take a risk that there could be an injury that changes the plan in hopes of maximizing the return. The And that, that leads us into the conversation about that second part of Elliot's clip where he said, now the question is, do the Flames grant other teams permission to talk with player X, Y, whatever, right. about contract extensions? Where do you sit on this one? If you're in the mindset that these guys are going to move, like, so let's, let's take Zadorov for example. I think that Craig Conroy is probably right now like, yeah, Nikita's probably not coming back. Zadorov's probably not going to be a long-term member of the Flames. You don't usually have a public trade request that doesn't eventually get fulfilled. So I think you have to take it case by case. But right now, if somebody calls and says, hey, we're offering this on Zadorov, but we'd offer this like we'd offer a little bit more or more if we could sign him to an extension, then that's a no brainer to me that all day, every day you grant that permission for the other team to start talking with Nikita's representation about what a contract extension could look like so that you further your case of maximizing that return. I I think that that is fair. If you have made a decision internally that this guy is not going to be a part of it and a trade is going to be the way to go. If you're still on the fence with is Lindholm going to be here? Do we want him to stay or do we want him to, do we want to try to turn him into assets? Well, then I think it's a little bit different, but if you know that you're far apart on a contract with Chris Tanev and a team wants to talk extension, or you know that Zadorov isn't going to be here long-term and a team wants to talk extension, and that's going to up the return that you're going to get, I don't really see how there's a downside in it. The only thing I would say is that I don't think you allow those conversations until you have a framework in place of what that trade looks like. That you have a framework in place with the suitor or or the you know the acquiring team that says here's what we're going to give you for Nikita Zadorov if we can hammer out an extension and maybe that's even a framework that depends a little bit on the length of the extension. I I think you talked about taking back some of the leverage after the public trade request. Well, I would be worried about losing your leverage by letting a guy negotiate an extension before you know exactly what the terms of the trade are going to look like. And I'm going to make a, an apples to oranges comparison, but it was something that I thought of was going back to the Jerome McGinley trade in 2013, Jerome McGinley was only going to one team and it wasn't because he had agreed to an extension, but it was because he decided he was going to play with Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And what happened is the Flames lost all leverage in that trade negotiation. And they ended up getting the first round pick that they coveted. And then Pittsburgh essentially took two two names off closer to the bottom of, of their prospect list and said, and these guys. And so... Again, I, I realize that's not the exact same scenario, but you can't have Nikita Zadorov all of a sudden saying, well, I, I'm going to this team because I've got an extension in place with them. And you can't have, like, hockey's a pretty tight circle. People talk. You can't have other teams saying, well, 
we're not trading for him because we know he's already figured out his next deal with X team. Right. And so that's very fair. Just I I I don't think you're granting permission for a bunch of different teams to have these conversations. I want to know exactly what the trade could look like. I want to know that there is something in it for me to let you talk extension. I want to know that the, the sure. prospect that you said was off the table is on the table with an extension in play and then go for it. Yeah, I, I need to know. So let's let's say it's it's I'll just throw it out because you mentioned it. Dallas has been tied to everybody. So say that you're negotiating something with Dallas and you're talking and, and Dallas wants Zadorov bad and they're like, we're willing to give uh, a second round pick and a fifth round pick. You're like, okay, yeah, uh, let's have a conversation. But then Dallas says, but we're, you know, if we're willing, like we're willing to go second and we're willing to go two seconds if we can go contract negotiations. Like if we can, if we can talk with him and maybe iron out an extension here, we're willing to go two second round picks. Then I think that, yeah, you're like, okay, we'll give you permission. Start going down that road. But yeah, I don't think you just be open it up for everybody. Say, yeah, give Nikita a call. No, it, it has to be, it has to be very, very targeted for sure. Right. Like, these teams that are interested know what Nikita Zadorov's looking for on his next contract. There, there, I'm sure have well, been tampering, conversations about, hey, just in case, without mentioning his name, you had a six foot six defenseman coming off a career high 14 goals and he was set to become a free agent. What sort of numbers are we talking about here? It's not like Nikita Zadorov's next contract ask would be impossible for an acquiring team to find out. I don't even think that Craig Conroy is necessarily going to be keeping that information from yeah. them, but I want to know what the framework of the deal looks like, because I do think it's a great sweetener. And, and we use that term to talk about, you know, throwing more into a trade. I, I, I don't necessarily mean it that way. When I say it's a great sweetener, it's, it's a great thing to throw into negotiations from your side to say, okay, now we're going to need a little bit more. And I think that if you're going to go down the road of trade for Hannafin and Lindholm, I think that extension talk little carrot is that much more appetizing for the other team because I, and this is not a knock on, on Tanev or Zadorov at all, but I think that they would also be coveted as rental players. I think Lindholm and Hannafin would be too, but I think a lot of teams, I, I think you'll have more teams involved and less of the traditional buying-selling conversation would be going on with guys like Lindholm and Hannafin. I think you'd have teams that are in the middle of the pack or not clearly defined as a buyer who would be interested in these guys because they see them as more than just right-now helps or right-now fixes. These are guys that they believe they can move forward with. That's why I keep going back to like Detroit or Buffalo. You know, the Sabres may not make the playoffs this year, but that doesn't preclude them from going out and trading for a guy like that. The the Red Wings are sitting in a playoff spot and they've been going through this build. Maybe it is time for them to make an impact acquisition so that they can, A, get back to the playoffs and B, maybe be a factor there for a few years. So I think that that extension talk just adds a little bit more intrigue and a little bit more leverage for the Flames in getting more teams involved. Well, didn't, 
didn't Elliot report recently that he thought the Arizona Coyotes had been making calls on Noah on Hannafin? Hannafin right. yeah, yeah. And so that's exactly what you're... I don't think they're going after Hannafin as a rental. No, that's exactly what you're I mean, talking they are, about. They are and holding down the last wild card spot, so who knows? When you talk about Elias Lindholm, and I understand he's been very underwhelming so far this season, and talking about Noah Hannafin, you are, you're going to be asking for... A, a stronger prospect off that team's list. You're you're gonna you might not be asking for their top prospect, but you're you're gonna have a, a target pretty close to their best of, you know, in that top range that you're gonna ask for. And I think the only way that you're gonna get that is if there's an extension on the table. Yeah. And so in that case, framework's done. Okay, go have the conversation. Trade's done when the extension's done, but. Not too willy-nilly. Read a few texts at 960-960 on this convo. Uh, this says, I'd be more more worried that teams start solving their problems elsewhere, dropping out of the races, and then you're left with three UFA D-man and two suitors at the deadline. That math don't math. That comes from Dylan and Revy. And... Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it, too. You know, all of a sudden, I don't think you're there yet, but I think if you're into January... That's new calendar year is when teams start to maybe make these acquisitions and get out in front of it a little bit and maybe don't wait to the deadline. And and then that might drop some of the suitors out. It's why I don't know if waiting right to the deadline is the best move in every case and why in some of these cases, the next number of weeks, you know, Three to six weeks, I think, is a really interesting sweet spot for the Flames to get some of these deals to, to Dylan's point so that teams don't look elsewhere. If they're coveting a Flames defenseman, they don't go and get a you know a defenseman from the... I'm trying to think of a team that would be in that mix. They don't go get a defenseman from, I don't know, the Canadians, or they don't go get a defenseman from another team that clearly right. isn't going to be a playoff team this year. Yeah, and, and I understand the risk there. The... I, I think the sort of unique position that the Calgary Flames are in, especially when you talk about the three UFA defensemen in, in Hannafin, Tanev, and Zadorov, and especially as it becomes a more and more possible outcome that none of those guys are on the team after the trade deadline. I don't think we saw it heading that way, but with trade or contract talks now on pause with Hannafin, a very public trade request from Nikita Zadorov and Chris Tanev's age, I think it's... And reports that Tanev and, close as and well. the Flames were really far apart on their first talk. And, and so I, I do think it, it's very possible all three of those guys move. Probably I would say even it's likely at this point that all three guys move. You're in a unique position because in the defense market, you probably have option A, option... B and option E or whatever you yeah. want to call it, right? And I'm looking at the list of pending UFAs on the blue line from teams that are going to be out of it. Like there's just not a ton of guys that you're putting above some of the names the Flames have to offer. And so, yes, you you don't want, you know, those positions to be filled before the deadline and then you're stuck holding all your cards because you weren't willing to make those moves fast enough. And yet I just think because of the number of, you know, cards in the deck that you're holding, you're always going to be involved in those conversations. Yep. And, and in some ways, I think 
Craig Conroy is probably going to dictate when the defense market starts moving. I I think he holds I think he holds the cards when it when we're talking about who's going to move on the blue line and so you have to be playing if you know if Dallas wants a defenseman and Toronto wants a defenseman and New Jersey wants Vancouver. a defenseman and Vancouver you better be playing those teams off each other. Yep. In order to maximize your return. That's just good management. Uh, this says if you're Columbus, why wouldn't you try to get Lindholm and try and get him to help Gaudreau? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. There might be more teams like that involved with those type of players, especially if an extension's involved. Yeah. I don't think Elias Lindholm uh, is banging down any door to get to Columbus. I don't think Johnny Gaudreau is having the time of his life in Columbus so far this season. And I would imagine that Elias isn't itching to go join him, but that is a great example of a team that like that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, who's looking for a number one center, a bunch of teams, right? You could even look at a team like San Jose. They need help, right? Anaheim's got something pretty special brewing, but would they love to have an, a top center like Lindholm? Of course they would. Yeah. Now, you know, you have a chance to really bring a whole bunch of teams into the fold there. Uh, this question's a fair one. Are values higher to teams who want them as a rental for a cup run or teams that want them extended? I think with Hannafin and Lindholm, the extension is a nice addition, and I think their values would be higher with extensions. Zadorov and Tanev, I think, is maybe a little bit more of a... You know, if you get to the deadline, a team looks at Tanev and says, you know, do we do we see him on this team guaranteed after our playoff run? Don't know. Do we see him playing a huge part and maybe getting us over a hump in the playoffs? 100%. So, yeah, that's um, that's a fair question. And I do think there's a threshold there somewhere. Just not exactly sure where it is. Well, and I think sort of the unique opportunity that you have is that as the Calgary Flames, you don't need to decide you don't have to rule out either sort of side of that coin, right? I, I mentioned Anaheim as sort of an intriguing fit potentially for Elias Lindholm, who, you know, <laughs> might be looking for a, a center to help Leo Carlson and Mason McTavish along. Now, if, if Anaheim has a, a good offer on the table for Elias Lindholm and they want to extend him, but Boston wants to make a cup run and is willing to beat Anaheim's offer and not extend them. Yeah. That's fine too. You're, you're still taking the best offer because as you said, and it's a great question on the text line. I I think there's, you know, a bunch of teams in, in column a and a bunch of teams in column B. And yep. I, I think you're right that Zadorov and Tanev are a different conversation than Lindholm and Hannafin. But in the, the case of Lindholm and Hannafin, the more the merrier yep. get in here Extension and make your not. offers. Yeah. Yep. Tell us what the terms are. Um, this says if contracts for players get better, be careful. Look where those players were and where they are now with contract offers. Fair point. Um, does that, let me, let me jump yeah. in. Cause it's a great point in some ways, uh, a potential haircut on what Elias Lindholm might be able to command as a free agent. I don't think actually scares off potential suitors. I, I think that might be more appealing. Yeah. You know, we were talking about Elias Lindholm wanting 9 million roughly a year. Well, if a, a team that is looking to sign him to an extension suddenly thinks he's dropped into the 
7.5 range. Yeah. I actually think in some ways, as long as you believe that Elias Lindholm's a better player than we've seen for most of this season so far, and I think we do all believe that, if your scouts are still bullish on Lindholm, you might actually you might actually appreciate that he's not off yeah. to a great start because it might save you some coin. And this is, uh, to your point a little earlier, uh, my worry is Tanev. He's injury prone at 34. If he gets injured, they get nothing in return. Trade him ASAP. So there's just a few of the texts. On the text line at 960-960, that's our look uh, inside hockey. Uh, last word to you. You think we'll circle back and talk about that another time? No, it's the last time last we'll ever word, talk about it. That's the last word on the UFA defenseman. Ever again. We'll never talk about it. <laughs> uh, no, probably later this week. That that might come up again. Uh, our look inside hockey's for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in-store today. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson along with you on this Monday Flames Talk. And it is time for the future of the Flames. Brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they intend to empower cancer patients, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com. Yeah, it's a Monday. We're focusing on the number one affiliate of the Calgary Flames, and that means we say hello to Wranglers head coach Trent Cull. Calgary Wranglers have been busy. What a week. So they played uh, two home games midweek, 6-3 and 4-1 wins over Bakersfield on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then a trip down to the Inland Empire and Ontario, California. 5-4 shootout win on Friday. Then a 4-0 loss Sunday to the Rain. The Wranglers now 11-2-1 in their first 14 games. We say hello to head coach Trent Call right now. Trent, I know it's been a, uh, it's been a busy travel day for you, so we appreciate the time. How are we doing? Good, good. How you guys doing, Pat? Doing well, doing well. Good to have you on, as always. I know that the the four game week didn't end the way that your group wanted, but just overall, how do you how do you look back at the last week since we last spoke to you? Yeah, yeah. I guess for me, I'm kind of still more uh, <clears throat> even that we spoke last week there, but like we were just down in California, you know. I guess seven days ago for three days and played a couple of games back to back. Flew back in, then played the home and. Then took off again Thursday and then played a couple more in California and just kind of planes and trains on our way back into town again today. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I didn't love the way we finished. Uh, I love the way we kind of uh, stuck through. We had some ups and downs in the first game. Uh, they're a good team, played a lot of speed. And, uh, you know, I think yesterday just it just wasn't working for us. I'll say that. Uh, I think the effort... But, uh, and I'm not going to use excuses or say anything that's caught up with us. That's not it. But I just know that we weren't uh, mentally as sharp as we have been. uh, That's something that, you know, in the American Hockey League, you're going to have these stretches where it's really tough. And I think right now we're in the middle of uh, the next couple of games. I'll be like eight and 13. So, but we're going to have to find a way to play, play smart and play with our our heads and uh, hopefully help our, help our legs out. Well, and and that's a, for for the first time this season, you you had a busy schedule uh, midweek and weekend where you played two in the midweek and then you traveled, played two on the weekend. First time you've done that this season, and and you know I know we've talked about it and how things are going to ramp up. How how did you feel like that affected your group? How did you feel like they handled it? Yeah, no, I mean, 
and I, and I'm going through this too, right? So I, we didn't go on the ice on Saturday. I was trying to think, you know, conserving our energy and, you know, as a three o'clock game yesterday, um, you know, hindsight, do I change that? I'm not sure. You know, we had an activation, got the guys together, actually had like a little, uh, breakfast together kind of thing. And so on the road and, uh, uh, for whatever reason, like I said, I think some of the work was there. We just didn't have our maybe our best uh, games in our heads. So, but uh, it's something for me to reevaluate, I guess you'd say, over the time. And uh, and like we said, it's uh, this is a really good stretch for us to see. Kind of, we're going to get stretched thin, and uh, we know that uh, we'll have to find a way. And this is what good teams do, and uh, we'll we'll have to do that. And we got uh, four more here at home, so it'll be nice to get home. That's for sure. Uh, we've been in California more than we have been here lately. Yeah. Well, and and as you mentioned, like the the, the busyness doesn't stop. I, I pick up on that. You talked about how maybe you, you might do things differently or might reevaluate. You've got four more games this week, two midweek, two on the weekend. Like what what goes into managing the week ahead for your group? Knowing this past week was really busy as well. Yeah, you know, I just talked with my my boss today with with uh, Brad Pascal just about you know if we have fresh ball. I mean, get them in over the next four games. You know, we're going to try to rotate it through and get some rest for some guys and then make sure that we got guys coming in fresh the next day to add some energy and some juice to our lineup. I think that'll be uh, certainly part of it. And then the other part is just uh, we have an effective game plan. We've we've shown that, right? And so sometimes when you get a little bit tired, you you get off track. And we then sometimes when you when one guy gets off the game plan, all of a sudden then, it starts to crumble around a little bit, right? So we really got to make sure that we're relying on our structure and being consistent for our teammates. And I think when you do things like that, it certainly makes it easier for us to get going. And all of a sudden, you know, let's let's not get off track, I guess you'd say. We're chatting with Trent Cull. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us on the, the team's one-off day. They play uh, they play Sunday. They travel Monday. He joins us on this Monday. Oh, and then they got games on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. Uh, Trent joins us Mondays here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson as well, Wes. Trent, your group has, has only, and yesterday would have been your second regulation loss. We're talking about a team that's 11-2-1 off to a terrific start. I'm curious, as the head coach after a loss and after a performance that maybe wasn't up to your typical standard, what, what do you look for from your group in terms of what, what sort of signs do you need to see that they're ready to kind of hit the reset after that? Yeah, I think that'll be more the discussion. Uh, just to give you a little background too, this is kind of funny. So our flights the other day get canceled and uh, we're all coming back on the same flight uh, today. We were supposed to, right? So then it gets canceled. So then we got a couple of guys that fly out last night. We got guys that fly out first thing this morning. There's a group of 13 of us. Other guys have just landed about an hour ago. So it's uh, the the reset will wait till tomorrow morning, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. To drink. Uh, and you know what? And and as opposed to, like, I'm going to get them out there for a pregame skate. Oh, and it won't be long. But just we need to touch pucks, get on the ice, have a little skate, get out of there, you know. And so I think what with us as coaches, our challenge will be uh, to get us back on track and to do it uh, kind of as light and as short as possible. I don't think we need to weigh our guys down right now. They've played a lot of games, and kind of like what I referred to what I said there before, Wes. I think we just. We kind of got off. Uh, we just kind of got off on our own tangents a little bit, and then once you create that separation, it's not the, the best recipe for our team. And so, and it's, it's you know what it is? It's a reminder. Hey, we have a certain way we want to play. We have a certain way that we feel as, as successful as our identity. We'll remind them about that, and, and hopefully get right back on that 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 horse tomorrow.
I, I just want to make sure, is everyone getting home for tomorrow? <laughs> just before I got on the call, I, I <laughs> sent a text to our video coach and just said, hey, are you are you on the ground? He's like, yeah, we're good. And I'm like, okay, great. So you know what I mean? We had uh, It's been a bit of the, the planes and trains, and uh, some guys were up early, so they probably had naps today. And then the other guys, they got a little bit more sleep, and hopefully they'll be rested. But uh, like you said, it's uh, everybody's got to go through in the American Hockey League. I've always had, you know, you never feel sorry for yourself because no one cares. And the other teams are waiting, and they can't wait to get some points. Especially from us, they, they know we've had a good start, so people are bringing their A games now, and we have to be prepared for that too. I, I got an individual I want to ask you about it, and maybe as a byproduct of your strong start, or, or maybe there was an injury involved, I'm not sure, but it was a long time before Ilya Nikolaev could get in the lineup. And now he's played five, he has, has points for your group in, in four of the past five. What? How are you kind of using Ilya, and what have you seen out of him in the five games he's been in so far? So, uh, great question. And, uh, you know, he, he hung in there. Him and Rory Kearns kind of, uh, they got the, the short end of the stick, so to speak, to start the year. You know, we had a, a group that we were kind of running with. Um, but those guys, they worked really hard. It was almost, it was over a month. I mean, they both played in Penticton, the young stars. And then from now, and then they came, you know, here, and they practiced for a long time. But they really were grinding it out. Uh, Rory came in. He did a great job. But, Ilya, uh, you know what? I, he came in, and I kind of put him higher up in the, in the lineup. He was actually kind of almost like a fourth line penalty killer for us in Penticton. Just it kind of just it found its way that way, and that's what I thought maybe his niche was. And then, you know, I stick him in there, and and, and you know he's playing with Pedersen, and he's looking pretty good, and, and Bish, and and he's but he's a kind of a guy who's he's heavy on the puck, which is great. Uh, he makes tries to make solid plays, but he's also looking to make plays a little bit as well too. And if you give him an opportunity with some time and space. He usually makes a pretty solid play, and, and he can be pretty effective. And he has that, you know, we lost a little bit of skill when we lost those other guys up, uh, getting called up, and those things happen. It was nice to see a guy kind of step in and, and be able to play with a little bit of skill and make some of those plays that, that kind of makes guys better around him. And I think that's what Ilya's done. When you talk about Ilya and also Rory Karens, you know, we've talked a lot around the Flames about the internal competition that, that Connor Zeri and Martin Pospisil have provided. Are, are, are you seeing kind of that same thing from, from those two young guys? They weren't technically called up, but once they finally get in your lineup, has, has that created some competition for your group? Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, it's... Uh... You know, behind the scenes, those are the talks that, you know, my coaching staff, uh, my boss, you know, like, you know, it's, it's difficult to put a lineup together every night because you're like, geez, you know, like, I don't want to take this guy out and you don't want, you know what I mean? And, you know, and so it's just a great problem to have. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some tough decisions this week. We, we said that for sure as, as the staff and, and talking with my boss. And so, but we want to get guys in and out. And just like you said, I want to, uh, I want to foster that that competition. I think it's great to have it. Uh, everybody deserves to play for our team right now. Unfortunately, not everybody does, and we're fairly reasonably healthy. So um, we're going to get guys in and out of the lineup this week and uh, and kind of see where it, uh, the, the energy that it brings us because the Calgary fans have seen it with our guys going up and playing for the Flames, and it's awesome, right? And so we want, we want to create that same kind of atmosphere here. Trent, I want to ask you one more, and then I'll throw it back over to Pat. But one of those guys who's up with the Flames right now is Nick DeSimone, who turns 29 years old tomorrow and has now played 12 as of tonight NHL games. You, you've coached against him. You, you know, you've coached him now. You've been 
in the American League, you know, you know the grind of those travel hiccups that you were speaking about earlier. Can can you just put in perspective what it's like to see a, a guy like Nick, who's been a good pro for so long, get a chance at the top level? And and you know, just like that, um, and 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 what he's doing with that chance too. You know, like uh, I keep reminding people, and this is different circumstances for everybody, and that's the way it is. Like we all develop at a different pace or we all learn uh differently you know and so sometimes you, you know like you, you never just can count people out and then all of a sudden you, you see a guy like nick he's come in here like even for us he started up there and then he came to us and i thought he had a couple slow games to get himself going but then by the last weekend he played for us it was like wow you know he's playing really well i remember sitting there talking about that with joe sorella saying now I see what you're talking about, like really steady, great decisions. You know, we talked about how he, he moves around the ice. And it was so good to see him just carry that on right into the NHL. You know, and I think he's providing that for the Flames right now. And I'm I'm really happy for the young man. It, it's awesome. And it, and it speaks volumes, too, just about us being patient as coaches or maybe even fans sometimes or, you know, managers or everybody around it, that everybody hits their stride sometimes at a different time. We are chatting with Trent Cull, just a few more with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Um, two, two more individuals wanted to ask you about and haven't had an opportunity to hear you talk about uh, either of these guys with us so far this year. I have heard you talk a few times, though, about Ben Jones, who's having a quietly really strong season for your group and is your current leading scorer. I just, you know... Th- this guy's been a pretty consistent player since he joined the Wranglers. And I'm just uh, curious as to what a guy like Jones, for you as a coach, having a, a good, solid veteran pro like that in your room, what what that does for a team. Yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky. I, I, I'm pretty lucky there as a head coach. You know, I've got some pretty good uh, – talking about Ben, talking about Brett Sutter, talking about uh, Clark Bishop. You know, we've got some some older uh, seasoned, I'll say, not maybe older, but some seasoned centermen there. And I think that uh, Jonesy's been really good. He digs in on some of the big draws that we need one, especially offensively. You know, he's always, uh, he's sniffing around that. And he's he's one of those guys who's probably quietly, like, uh, the most consistent of how he's played. Got him a little bit of time to get himself up and running. But over the last three weeks, like I feel like he's been probably our most consistent guy. You know, it may not be flashy every night, but yeah. he's, he's showing up on the score sheet because he's doing the right things. And uh, and also to um, his execution level, like he makes tape to tape passes and, and he does it consistently. And he's always, you know, he's giving guys uh, opportunities with good pucks is what I feel like too. So he's one of those guys that's helping the guys around him, And, uh, and he's been good. He's been playing in all situations for us, PK power play. And like I said, it's always great to have a guy who's, who's, who's coming up big on the face And then a good week for Emilio Pedersen, five points in the four games your group played last week. Just curious as to what you've seen from him, especially as he's gotten a little bit more respect responsibility with a few forwards up on on the flames right now what uh what have you seen in terms of how emilio has dove into that role well his first six games i think he had maybe even first almost eight he had two points i think it was eight games so uh it was coming it was slow coming for him and it wasn't kind of uh, materializing for him 
And then all of a sudden now he gets a little streaky and all of a sudden things are things are working for him. And the best part I think is just for him is is sometimes slowing the game down a little bit. Like he's a he's a quick uh kind of a darter of a player. Like he jumps into holes and he's he's quick with the puck. So sometimes and our conversations have just been, you know, like I'm happy when you have the puck, you know, like and, and I don't want him getting rid of the puck, you know what I mean? So I like him holding those pucks and, and what I think that he's done a really good job with over the last two weeks is his, his entries into the zone. I mean, um, analytically, I'm not going to get down the road with this, but analytically talking, when you have a carried entry into the zone, I mean, Emilio is one of those guys who's doing a really good job of that. And for the most part, like he's making sound plays off those entries, which leads for us to either ozone time or, or offensive success. And so I think for us, that's been the biggest thing. And then also, too, the second, I'm not going to say first or second unit power play, whatever it is, the unit he's been on, yeah. has found a way to be pretty successful here just as of late. And, and he's a big part of that, too. That uh, That's great stuff, as always, Trent. We really appreciate the time. I know it's been a uh, stunted travel day for the team, so I'm glad everybody's on the ground and ready to go for Tuesday against Tucson. Good luck this week. I know it's another busy week for the group, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. We'll probably see you at the Dome a couple times this week as well. Thanks, Trent. Awesome. Thanks for having me, boys. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. That's Trent Cull. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. He joins us Mondays. He joins us on the Future of the Flames. Brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit OncolyticsBiotech.com. As the Wranglers now 11-2-1 in their first 14 games. And now they get a four-game homestand. It's a busy one. They play Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday but uh, four-game homestand now starts for the Wranglers with a chance to add to their early season success. Yeah, they're staying power so far this season with Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil, two guys who started the season on their top line, now in the NHL, with Jeremy Poirier, their top offensive defenseman, now injured, with Nick DeSimone, their top defenseman, in terms of their, their workhorse number one guy now in the NHL. The fact that this team is still clipping along at 11-2-1, it, it's really impressive, and, and it is a credit to Trent Cull and his staff and, and all the players down there. I'm excited to get out this week and see them. Uh, before we wrap up this hour, uh, speaking of the future of the Flames, kind of the, the future is now type conversation, the Martin Pospisil story continues to be a, a real feel-good one for the Flames. Scores a beauty goal on the Nazem Kadri pool shot bank uh, pass on Saturday, which he was joking about on Sunday, yeah. which I like quite like. Yeah, I called bank on it. Um, <laughs> which he said, he said he swears he did in his head that he called bank on that. It was clearly by design. Um, you uh, have another... Uh, last time you had a feature on Martin Pospisil was very revealing, and another one's out at the uh, Post Media Papers this week as well. Yeah, you got a couple hours before game time in Seattle. I, I had a really nice chat with Martin Pospisil's older brother, Christian, who plays pro in uh, Chechia. Um, just to give you a little background, this this playing in the NHL. This was a shared dream for Christian and, and Martin. Christian actually uh, was in the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, a couple AHL games, mostly in the ECHL. And then uh, his path, I, I guess, was kind of altered by a torn ACL. He's since won a league championship in Finland. He helped Slovakia win bronze at the 22 Olympics. But just a really nice chat with him. He is so proud of his brother. The last time the Flames were in Seattle, 
Martin made his debut. He scored on his fifth shift. And Christian told me he, you know, he broke into tears as he watched the goal. And he, he said he, he sort of didn't know where it was coming from. He, he didn't expect it, but the emotions were just so overwhelming to see his brother go score a goal in the NHL. And so if you get a chance, calgarysun.com, calgaryherald.com, it's a really neat chat with Christian who told me, you know, at least one of the brothers is playing in the NHL. And I, I think just kind of one of those heartwarming stories and, and Martin Pospisil certainly been that. Super neat. That's uh, I did have a chance to read it and uh, it's pretty cool. Um, that's the stuff. These are the things that, that Wes Gilbertson does that people like Pat don't do. Think like this. It's good. That's why it's why you're a valuable part of the Flames Talk fam. I appreciate that, buddy. Um, that's wherever you get uh, your post media well, online or in the post media papers. Uh, was really uh, was really good. Really encourage you to go give it a read because it's just uh, it's a nice deep dive on what has been one of the real feel good stories of the Flames so far this year. Yeah, talk. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's had concussion issues, who didn't know if this moment would ever come, and just knowing what it's meant to him and his family, and, and quite frankly, to see the fan favorite he's become at the Saddle Dome. Yep. Pretty cool. Uh, that'll wrap us up this hour. Wes Gilbertson is on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Taylor and Cam are producers this hour. And that'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.